Hello and welcome to another episode of Everything is Canada, Senator's podcast. I'm your host, Steve Duncan. However, you may have found your way here. Thanks so much for tuning in. On this podcast, we invite authors from all genres onto the show to discuss their latest books and novels, as well as just about anything else that comes to mind. If you want to reach me, there are several ways to do so, but the best way is to email me at steve at sinellings.com, or you can always find me on Twitter at stevedunk5 or at everythingcanon. Today in the show, I'm talking to Jessica Lewis all about her debut YA novel, Bad Witch Burning, which is described as, for fans of us and the chilling adventures of Sabrina, comes a witchy story full of black girl magic as one girl's dark ability to summon the dead offers her a chance at a new life while revealing to her an even darker future. What's great about Bad Witch Burning is it uses nuance and subtext, yes, and horror, to broad-stroke larger themes, as horror often does. This fear and anxiety that Cottrell and others experience, and that has manifested itself on our streets and in our neighborhoods, is real. This slice-of-life tale barely leaves four square blocks, but what's happening to those affected, those feeling the impact of social imbalance, is happening all across America. And no, I don't mean witches and sleepwalkers necessarily, I mean a lack of rent control. Crime-infested streets resulting from zero social assistance. A system that just doesn't care about you until you vote. These are the real monsters, not a 16-year-old girl. We talk about her almost becoming a vet, growing up poor, why we shouldn't be too quick to judge people, bad witch burning, of course, and much, much more. While this is a spoiler-free discussion, the odd minor detail may slip out, so if you haven't read the book and don't wish to be spoiled, better stop listening now, but definitely double back once you've read it. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. As always, around these parts, we encourage supporting authors and stories that affirm the lives of people other than ourselves. Each time we either engage in a conversation, whether it be online or face-to-face, if we ever do that, or each time we participate in the market with our purchasing choices. As a reminder that next month, September, is National Hispanic Heritage Month in the U.S., so please support the Hispanic communities in any way that you can. Since we talk books here, I'm going to provide a list of some, but not all of them, certainly, Hispanic authors who are more than worthy of your support and who kick all kinds of ass. So this should be done all year long, of course, not just because a calendar tells us, so look for that link after. Jessica Lewis is a receptionist from Alabama, although I wonder for how much longer. She has a degree in English Lit and Animal Science and had plans to become a veterinarian, but that didn't work out. Maybe she'll tell us why. She lives with her way funnier than her grandmother, who answers all of her wild questions about ghosts and zombies and werewolves. When she isn't writing or working, she enjoys watching cooking shows or HGTV-type home shows. She's here today, though, to talk about her debut novel, Bad Witch Burning, which is described as... For fans of us and the chilling adventures of Sabrina comes a witchy story full of black girl magic as one girl's dark ability to summon the dead offers her a chance at new life while revealing to her an even darker future. Please welcome to the show, Jessica Lewis. Hi, Jessica. Hi. Yes, thanks so much for coming on the show and a huge congratulations because you just, uh, as of yesterday, you, Jessica Lewis, anyways, is a debut author. (laughs) It's a published author now. Yeah. (laughs) So how was your day? You, we talked a bit before, but sort of we'll re, re, go over it a little bit again. How was your debut day? Did you get any sleep? Um, it was wonderful. I did get some sleep. Um, okay. I went to bed around midnight. So that's okay. good. That's, what about the <laughs> night before, though? I, there's no way you got any. Uh, no, I didn't. So. No. <laughs> that's, that's expected. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. I'm really glad it went well. And we were talking about sort of how it's kind of a bummer for debut authors because we're still in the pandemic. But um uh, you know, that's one thing over the silver lining is these, some of these virtual events and launches and stuff are really great um, because I really love the reach that, that they get, don't they? Because mm-hmm. in-person events are great, but you know, they're limited, right. To uh, maybe a couple hundred people, you know, maybe a little bit bigger if you're in a, in a hall or something, but these online events, I mean, it's endless, the reach, isn't it? 
Yes, exactly. And um and free. Really <laughs> most of the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most That's of the, the time. Best part. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But hear, no, hear, um yeah. yeah, my community is I feel like my community is in the online space. You know, yeah. I don't really have a big community here at home. So it was it was much better for me to have an online launch anyway. Yeah, I don't either in my hometown. I live in a small hometown out a couple hours outside of Toronto. So mm-hmm. yeah, my local community is non-existent. Um, it's mostly like conservatives anyways, who I hate. So uh, it, yeah, I'm the same as you. It's all online. All my book, my book friends and family are online. So um, one of the things I was sort of looking forward to is getting out of this pandemic was maybe seeing some of them <laughs> or, maybe, oh, yeah. <laughs> or in some cases meeting them for the first time. Right. Which is always kind of cool, but uh yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Like, uh, I don't want to harp on it, but we got to get through this thing. So everyone, please out there, be safe and do what you got to do so we can get through this thing. I know we're feels like we're close, doesn't it? But um, I sort of inferred something there introducing you, you know, it's Jessica Lewis is a debut author, but who is Jazz Taylor? Tell us about this mysterious Jazz Taylor. <laughs> well, she is also me. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I have a middle grade uh, series that is, well, it's not a series, it's a book. Um, it came out in January called Meow or Never, and it is very wildly different than Bad Witch Burning. So I used a pen name, um, and we're just, we're, those are completely separate identities. Right, understood. Uh, well, Jazz Taylor sounds like a wonderful person. And uh, that sounds like a great series, especially a great middle grade series. I'm a big fan of middle grade, actually. I just, uh, got an interview later today with a middle grade author. And, uh, you know, I like, I love middle grade because there's no fluff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like all it's the, very all, straight to the point. Yeah. All the bullshit's gone. There's none of this. Like, it's like, okay, we need to get here. And then we're there. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's not like, yep. <laughs> let's sit around and talk about how we're going to get there. And then maybe just maybe change our minds a few times. <laughs> and then like, you know, it's like, we just go, we're going to go there and we get there. It's great. I love it. Um, you know, not that actually, although Bad Witch Burning, it's really tight. There isn't a lot of fluff on this book either. So that's, uh, it reads really well, really quickly. Um, we'll talk about that. But uh, yeah, so that is uh, people, people be on the lookout for Jazz Taylor, who's also a Pride and Rising Star in publishing. Um, I know this, this story, Bad Witch Burning, was personal to you. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't read reviews, but in my review, I spent half of it talking about sort of just um poverty in the united states growing up poor i grew up poor myself but Mm -hmm. i also acknowledge that like white person poor in canada is not the same as almost anywhere else right uh in north america i'm I'm talking about of course only but um and i you know i read a bunch of studies and all these different theories and essays and reports that of course children who grow up in poor environments are are often subjected to threatening violent situations just not great situations right and that's right i don't mm-hmm. think we all need to be experts to understand that that can sometimes happen not all the time of course but it does happen um and that's certainly the case in bad witch burning and i know that this book is personal to you now uh, not i'm not inferring the violence or anything like that but definitely growing up poor i know that because you've mentioned that right yes. so mm-hmm. talk about talk about that a little bit and uh as much as you want to of course i'm not i don't want to get personal here and anything you don't want don't reveal anything you don't want to reveal obviously so but just talk about sort of how that turned into a story and how you think just growing up maybe poor just m- d- turned you into the type of person you are it, t- it certainly had an effect on me growing up poor. oh yeah Oh, right. Yeah. And, and, it, and I, and yeah. I also sort of went to a school 
um, very quickly, I was supposed to go to a Catholic school because I went to a Catholic grade school, which I fucking hated. <laughs> and uh, and I, I said no. And I went to a public high school and because I was done with religion, obviously. And but the public high school I went to had a lot of the families were better off. And so all of a sudden, now, not only sudden was I like, I didn't know anybody and I was away from religion for the first time, but then I was surrounded by people who were better off than me. Mm. And so it was a little, it was weird. So, you know, and I'm not saying that was your situation, but I'm just saying that definitely had an effect on, on how I acted, the, especially the first year, right? Where I was constantly on guard, constantly defensive, constantly trying to fit in with everybody. It took me a while to like where I, where I was like, okay, I just need to be myself. Yeah. So um, really, it, it came from two parts of my life. So the first part was my actual childhood. Um, my mother is a single mother. We had a limited income um, for a while up until I think I was 13, maybe. Um, my mom worked at like Kroger. Or, that's like a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, minimum wage, not we I mean, we just didn't have a lot of money. Um, my grandmother would help us sometimes. Um, she would usually like watch me. And for a while, um, I think, I, I, I don't know if the story is true because I was too young, but I called my grandmother, my mother, because I didn't see my mother mm. because she worked all the time. Right. Um, so that was, that definitely affected me. Um, the, it's not a good thing, but the, the thing about public school in Alabama is that all of us are poor. So, right. 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 So I didn't really experience that. Um, there was no classes, ostr- no classes yeah. or anything. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like the richest person is like, you know, they make 60,000 a year. So, right. <laughs> right. you know, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's so tough. I didn't have a problem with like fitting in with my peers in that regard, mm-hmm. but you know, there were definitely things that I had to give up. Like I, I, you know, as a kid, you don't understand why you can't have the same things that your friends have and sure. can't go on the same field trips they go to, you know, that sort of thing. Um, any, sorry, any siblings? Did you have any siblings? No, no, no. Okay. I'm an only child. Okay. Yeah. So that definitely helped. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, that definitely molded me, but then I didn't understand like the gravity of my situation until I was an adult. Mm. So um, after college, I graduated and I came home. I moved in with my grandmother and I didn't really know. I didn't really experience how poor I was until then mm. because I had a job at a, like a little local barbecue place. Mm-hmm. And um, at the time I was like really depressed because <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was writing my book and, you know, I was thinking like, oh man, it's never going anywhere. You know, all the, all the, all the doubt stuff. Which so, book? Bad Witch Burning? Uh, yes. Okay. So um, but, oh, there were two more before that. but That's know. what I was going to ask you. If you, if you que- if, how many did you query before? Yeah. But we'll, we'll get to yeah. that. But yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was very depressed. So the only job I could have, the only job I could hold down was like a part-time barbecue job. Mm-hmm. And it was there that I realized how, how bad I was, <laughs> how in trouble I was. Sure. Because um, my grandmother got sick. And she had cancer, so she had all of these medical bills. Um, we were working, both of us were working very hard to, like, just pay rent. Um, I would go to bed at night, and I would just keep thinking, like, I need more hours. I need more money. I need more. I just need more. And, I mean, it made me sick. Like, I was so worried. It made me physically ill. Um, and the work was very hard on me as well. So, 
I had physical pain and mental pain and then like financial pain. <laughs> it was so how old, really and so how old were you at this point? I was 21. Okay. 20. No, 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 no. 23. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. So 20 from 23 to 25 ish. I, um, suffered. <laughs> so yeah, right. that's where the, um, the idea that the, my childhood and then my adult understanding just like crashed together. And then mm-hmm. that's where I put bad rich burning. So you'd went to college too. And can I ask how, how were you able to afford college? Was there like a state program or anything that you were to take advantage of? Yeah. Or? Full okay. ride scholarship. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. And that was that school. Mm-hmm. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I majored uh, in animal science. Okay. So. Um, which by the way is not fucking easy. So I know it was, I I know people that have gone through, uh, to be vets and stuff and taken, I, I took a humane education course in college. I was, I used to be an investigator for the SPCA years ago for animal cruelty. And I was supposed to get into humane, humane education for animals, but, and then they placed me in the, an investigation role to get like some, just some student hours. And I saw like, the most horrible fucking shit you can imagine. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, so I was actually on uh, addicted to sleeping pills for a while. Cause my dad had cancer at the time who who's dead now. And so just drove that out of me. I wanted nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Humane education or anything to do with animals. Cause I'd seen like the worst side of it and it was awful. And then coupled with everything. And then, like I said, it gave me an addiction to sleeping pills and I had to get off that. And so, yeah, it was a fucking nightmare. Um, and it's no bullshit. That is a hard, and I just mean from academia standpoint, that's a very, very, that the, isn't the dropout rate for vet school, like the highest of all the, it's high. Yes, I know it's, it's very high. <laughs> yeah. I know it's really high. Um, does that, is that what happened with you or you just lost interest or what was the, what was the situation there? Well, I love science. That's the yeah. thing. Um, so do I, I love it. So do I. I love if I had like, um, if there was a way for me to do just like be a lab technician or something, yeah. <laughs> just like work in a lab, I would do that. Right. I love science. I love like finding answers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I did not love the animal science part, which was um, like you said, I saw terrible things. Yeah. Um, yep. Well, they use animals like, for in colleges and training for all different. Is that what you is that you're alluding to? Um, yeah. And yeah. I worked at a vet clinic for six months as well. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, there's an ugly side to it, and I don't know what the current state is, and it, I know it varies from country to country, and even state to state down there. You know, different like the uh, my beagle, who's a rescue, came originally from the from the Beetle Freedom Project down there, and mm-hmm. she was supposed to go to a university, and because they use beagles and hounds a lot down there for testing and vivisection and stuff, right? Because yeah, for some reason, beagles and hounds just don't require as much as other dogs do as far as sustenance goes. They have, apparently their spirits are hard to break. Like this, that, just that sentence alone makes me fucking cry. Cause I know my, yeah, it's be- like I, really hard. <laughs> it is right. And I know my beagle obviously, and she's like, doesn't have it in her. And she would have been an awful lab dog, which is a fucking horrible sentence to even think about saying, right. But cause I hate that it exists, but, and I just look at her and I start crying and I'm just like, anyways, we're very off topic here, but uh, <laughs> anyways, I wanted to sort of maybe try and understand why. So you changed, you switched gears there. Um, but I think I, I, I get it, but uh, I know, I know, I know, I, I know I do get it. I don't think, but um, so yeah, you know, so you're 23 now, 23, I don't hold you are now, I won't ask, um, 23 to me is still a kid. 
Um, I know it feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And now listen, different parts of the world are different. And this is something I talked about in my review where Cottrell as a 16 year old, and this is, this is the case for most children around the world outside of the U S and in the U S for sure, but more outside of the U S where adulthood is thrust upon children in more parts of the world than it is here. Right. Because yeah. thing, things aren't great around the world and kids are just forced to kick in earlier than they are in the, in, in North America. Typically they're forced into adulthood way earlier they're forced to do things and think about things and be responsible for things they should have. They got no business thinking about for another five, six, even 10 years, right? They should be fucking kids. Control should be like 16, I don't know, fighting off boys or girls and going, I don't know, 16 year old shit, right? Like <laughs> te- teenager shit. Um, but here she is, desperate, poor, very poor, very poor. And then no help at home, obviously. And we'll talk about a little bit about it in a second. But so here's you, 23. To me, you're still a kid at that point. You're feeling fucking pretty low. Um, what w- I, I, I'm not going to you know, suggest your life is turned around necessarily because I'm not going to say that it has. I don't know that it has. I mean, it, it seems like it has. If it did, talk to me about sort of at what point you felt like things were maybe starting to go in a better direction. And if they haven't, that's cool too, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's how you feel about it. It's not, yeah, I can look at it and be like, oh, you're a published author. Everything's fine now. No, I'm not fucking that naive or stupid, right? I know that's not the cure-all sometimes for people. Right, yeah. Um, I would Especially say... in the publishing industry for Black people, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where the advances are shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We can talk about that too if you want. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Um, I would say I got into Pitch Wars. Do you know okay. what Pitch Wars is? I do. Yep. yep. Okay. So um, Bad Witch Burning was originally called Wildfire and it was um, selected to be part of uh, Pitch Wars class of 2018. I like Bad Witch Burning so, better for a title, by the way. Oh, yeah. Me too. Um, <laughs> it, it, is, it is a better title. But yep, at yep. the time I was like, oh, yeah. no, I have to change my title. You know, Wildfire. Wildfire. It just sounds like a bad metal band or something but anyway (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so um that's really when it started turning around i um my mentor worked with me um at that point bad witch burning was um very short it was like 58k um i didn't have the mom plot line at all like it just didn't exist Hmm. and so my mentor was like hey we need we need something you know like we need like who was your mentor another uh Brittany morris oh, she wrote Slice. yes cost mm-hmm. knowing beautiful yep yep mm-hmm. amazing yep <laughs> yep so she worked with me and i finally learned how to do structure i had no clue up until that point so i finally felt good about my work and then um i finally found a job that was better than barbecue place right so that was my receptionist job right and um the pay is still really bad but it's better than barbecue and also i don't have to stand up all day so oh nice yeah that's you know (laughs) it's a little thing sometimes right it really is because my mental health just i mean my mental health is so much better today than it was back then and it really i mean money was it like that's what was making me depressed i just didn't have enough money so um they say that's like one of the, the leading theories behind universal basic income right is that it actually it's it has nothing to do with being able to afford things it's actually better for you because the number one when most people answer asked or ask this question the, the number one stressor in life is money finances mm-hmm. for most people it's the number one answer it's the number one thing that stresses people out the most and so when you eliminate that 
your mental health gets better and in turn your physical health gets better and and in small they've done, they've done it in a couple of townships and cities up in Canada the whole town would go to universal basic income and they saw a huge improvement in health, in mental and physical health mm-hmm. and that's just yeah. not something, something people don't even think about that's actually why that program is put in place it has nothing to do with being able to afford to buy shoes which is great of course or uh, books or go to the movies or what, whatever, right. Whatever you're into, it's actually attributed to health, personal health. And yeah, I mean, it's, it'd be great to have all the money in the world, but um, you know, like you said, sometimes it's just the little things, a chair. Yeah. Like a chair, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, you know, like <laughs> it's who give me all the money and you, I don't fuck, give me a million fucking dollars a day. But if I'm in constant pain, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. Right. Kind of. I mean, I guess maybe with a million dollars, I could afford enough drugs or I would, you know, I could just <laughs> blissfully uh, spend my days being an idiot. But uh, yeah. So anyways, okay. Well, so you're feeling, you're starting to feel better. You get this. Is that the job you still have now? Yes, Same it is. Job. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume if you start making earning enough money as a published author, you'll you'd quit that job. Um, you, actually, you, probably really, not. No, you like it, and that is it because of uh, like you get health health care and stuff, or yeah, yeah, yeah. I need the health insurance. Yep, that's a big one. Yep, that's I talked to enough people in the states to understand that. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Well, I'm like I mean I'm in Canada, and I don't take it for granted. Trust me. Um, uh, so. You get this, you get to pitch wars, things are looking good. You get hooked up with Brittany, which was so amazing. And you get this thing done. It gets picked up. You're feeling really good about it. So how, what, when was that? How long ago is that now? Um, I finished pitch wars in February, 2019. Okay. And then I signed with my agent in March, 2019. Okay. And then I sold agent? my book. Still with the same agent? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Oh, her name is uh, Holly. Holly Root is my agent. Oh, I did know that. I knew that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, okay. And then here we are. Yep. And then it's I sold the book in June 2019. Okay. And here we yeah. are. Amazing. How many? Um, how many edits? How many passes did you take at it? Oh God, I don't even know. <laughs> I like did over twenty. So yeah. I mean, I okay, did yeah. so much in pitch wars, and then I had an edit with my agent, and then like, um, this book has had four editors. So, okay. Yeah. Is that just because the changing with the company, like within the company, there was changes or you yeah, just, you're, my, you're, um... you're difficult to deal with or <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's no. going on? Yeah. Um, my acquiring, my acquiring editor, she left um, yep. for little, little Brown. So then I got a new one and we did not gel at all. And so she quit. And then um, I was with the head of the company for a while while they scrambled to find me someone new. And then finally I'm at hopefully my last one. <laughs> yeah. No, that happens a lot. People don't realize that actually. Um, I mean, it just the, people behind the scenes shuffle sh- so much in publishing. Yeah. People don't realize that. And, um, that's, that's more common than people think is, you know, somebody having multiple editors. Um, sounds like you're very happy with your current team. Is that yes. fair to say? We yeah. are we have finally like we finally made it. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> we've made it. we've made it, yeah, as a team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh what's it called? Monster, right? Is your next one? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And that's did you sign uh, did you sign a two book deal or just a one? 
just a one. Okay. And then, um, yeah, so Monster was my option book for okay. Bad Wish Burning. Okay. And you're in the middle of that one. Is that uh, where, what stage are we at? Uh, we're in our dev edits right now. Okay. So. Uh, and you're still working ha- through. Happy with how it's going though? We're working on it. We're <laughs> <laughs> Understood. Subtext is beautiful. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, I, I like getting to like getting lead the story up to the book sometimes more than the book itself. Right. Um, because that to me is, is sort of, that's, that's art, right? That's processes art to me. So I really like to understand mm-hmm. sort of like where you're at when you wrote this book, because I know it was personal and there's a lot of shit in this book that's worthy of discussing and it, like, and the real stuff I'm talking about, right? Cause it is, mm-hmm. a con- I know it's a fantasy and there's witches and stuff, but it is, it's a contemporary book. And, uh, and you touch on a lot of very important, very difficult subjects in this book. Um, and again, that's again with in my review. I actually spent more time talking about those than the actual that actual witches stuff. <laughs> but so, uh, because I think it's important. That's the stuff that really sort of like touched on me. And I knew it was personal. And I just sort of wanted to get into your headspace a little bit before we uh, before we talk about the book itself because I think it's important. And I'm so happy for you, Jessica. And I'm so thrilled and and on your launch day, and it went well. And it just seems like everyone is so happy for you. It's so great. And I know, you know, JL and she's fantastic. And Oh um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And so everyone's so happy for you. And I, she, I know you're not on Instagram, but I know I, I, you must know she did. She read the first chapter on Instagram. Yes. Last night. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so I checked it, checked out a few minutes of that. And uh, yeah, she's, she's great. And I also shout out to wings of ebony and then. Uh, I'm, I'm like very excited. Um, yeah, cover. We met. Yeah, we both met while we were still on submission. Right. And so then I think we sold like our books like one after another. It was like magic. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, yeah, she was on the show earlier around her launch and it was just like uh, her energy is just, and her story too is so personal with that book, right? So it's mm-hmm. it's so incredible and it's so great to see authors of color getting to not have to, one thing I love is, is, this year more than ever for sure is black authors in particular are getting to put themselves in their stories without, they don't have to feel like they have to make up. They don't have to overextend themselves or come up with like, you know, the greatest book of all time to get it sold. And which is really nice, which it, right. And, and not, and I'm not, nothing has been fixed or solved. I'm just going to say that we have a fucking long way to go. Right. It's the playing field is far from fucking even, it's not even close still, but this year has, we have, we are seeing a situation a little bit where we're, we black authors are getting to put yourselves into stories. You don't have to write the perfect fantasy or science fiction book to get optioned. It's like people, there's obviously an audience for your stories. And I mean, you, right. Jessica's story. Cause some of you is in this book and people are realizing that like, you know what? Yeah, there are, there are great stories out there and we need them all because that's something that keeps me up at night is because it's so unfair, the industry, and it's so skewed against authors of color and LGBTQIA plus authors too. There's so many great stories we're never going to get and have never gotten to read or will never get to read because, yeah. of, because of that. And that fucking bums me out. <laughs> That's right. Like, I mean, if you, if you could see my bookshelves, it's people ask me, they're like, do you only read cover books from authors of color and stuff? I'm like, no, but they're just the fucking best ones. And that's what, (laughs) that's what I always say. Like, if you're not reading these books by these marginalized authors, you're the one missing out. Like you're losing. So like, these are great stories. And, um, 
I really, really, really enjoyed Bad Witch Burning. But I really, again, really felt the weight. It's a heavy book, like the subject yeah. matter. It's a really heavy, it heavy is. book. And I felt that, like physically felt that reading it. Like I, my chest was heavy reading it. And, you know, I don't, the, the subtext was obvious and the nuance was obvious. And let's talk about it. Uh, Bad Witch Burning. The summary is kind of long. So why don't you give me, uh, you must have said it a thousand times by now. What's the elevator uh, version of the story? <laughs> it's very short. Um, yeah, that's fine. A yeah. girl, yeah, a girl raises the dead for money. So that's it. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the book right there. <laughs> that is the book. Um, obviously, there's more to it than that. So uh, she does. She ends up uh, at first. She's able just to sort of summon spirits who you know can can so their people can pay her to talk to their their dead relatives or friends or whoever just for a few seconds at a time. But they just manifest in sort of in spirit form, right? They're not physical. They're not, it's nothing, it's nothing like that. But uh, she does learn that she's able to actually bring the dead back in physical form. And people are not only willing to pay for that, but pay big bucks, thousands of dollars um, to have that happen. You know, I wrote in my thing too, like who wouldn't, right? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> most people would. I don't know if I would, but that's that's also saying in a situation where I know where I believe that's not possible. Right. But I mean, mm -hmm. if you're standing there, if you're in front of me and all of a sudden you raise somebody who I cared about and standing in front of me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I might be willing to fucking give you a few grand to, you know, at that point. <laughs> I don't know. Right. But um, it's an interesting premise. And that's the one thing I like about this choices that this book is all about choices, right. Isn't it? The choices we make and, and mm -hmm. she makes a lot of <laughs> yeah she makes they're it, like all bad <laughs> they are all pretty much all bad and one thing i wrote too like in in horror the genre relies on people making bad choices bad decisions that's that's the essence of horror isn't it like if everyone made the right decisions there wouldn't not only when there, yeah there'd be, be no book yeah there'd be no horror there wouldn't be any stories hardly at all so um <laughs> we you need but the, the one thing i liked about this book was though she's the only one making bad decisions there are bad things that happen to other people in this book, but they make reasonable choices as far as I'm concerned from, from people who would look at a situation like from a non-believing standpoint, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like if you didn't believe such a thing could happen, then you should have, there's no reason for you to be afraid of it. You would approach that situation or that person or that whatever without fear. So that's a, to me, that's a reasonable way to react to something. Now, the consequences of that didn't turn out so well for a lot of people in this book, <laughs> but I, I think you'll agree maybe with me that they made reasonable decisions, right? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. They were, they were in the position to make a reasonable decision. They were in a but, position of power. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Cottrell, she, I mean, what else was she supposed to do? She's, you know, um, her best friend will, um, she's like, Hey, you know, maybe this is a bad idea. Like, you know, just, just saying, like, we probably shouldn't mess around with the dead, but, like, Cottrell has nothing, you know? So yeah. what else is she supposed to do? It's it's this or, no or nothing. And I mentioned, so, yeah, I mentioned that. I'm like, any one of us in that position would do the same thing. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah. some of the later decisions are just bad, but, <laughs> but the initial one. <laughs> right. You mentioned Will, and we'll talk about Will, and ugh, Will, just want to hug her. Um <laughs> So again, so like, let's start sort of, let's go start at the beginning. Catrell is 16. She's poor. 
So now one of the things I mentioned too was, you must have heard it already a thousand times, strong reactions from people about three characters in particular. Cottrell, her mother, and Gerald, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, her mother's boyfriend, Gerald, he's addicted to drugs, has a part-time job, but it doesn't seem like he ever goes. Um, and I wrote, the only thing he contributes to the situation is violence, basically. So Yeah, pretty and, much. And yeah. he eats, and he eats a lot. <laughs> he eats all her food, <laughs> what little of it there is. So... Uh, her mother is uh, does is a serial non-worker, um, doesn't seem interested in working, is very manipulative, uh, takes advantage of Cottrell's work ethic for sure, and love, takes advantage of her love and loyalty too. Um, not a nice person. Now, one of the things I talked about was just, you know, I won't go into all the details, but, you know, I just talked about a bunch of stuff about how fucked up the system is currently in the States. Mm-hmm. As far as social assistance is concerned, um, lack of rent control in so many areas, uh, no support for people of color, no support for single mothers, um, access to health care, affordable health care is non-existent. So when it comes to, you know, I talked about how good and, there's all sorts of people in the world, good and bad, and good and bad people are parents. Um, because I start my, my piece with any fool can be a parent, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I wasn't quick to judge her mother. And I also say like, listen, we all at the end of the day have a choice. We make choices. We all have a choice to make. And some of us decide to do harm onto others. And some of us don't. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying her mother was a good person and, and made good choices. She didn't, but her mom's in a tough position. And I'm not going to judge somebody necessarily until I, until I know the whole story, of course, because mm-hmm. there's there's history there with her mother that we don't really know. We know a little bit, but we don't know a lot. Why is she a single mother to begin with? And we we understand the state of things in the United States right now when it comes to how it treats certain people. And I wasn't, and I don't want people to be too quick to judge her mother. Judge her on her actions for sure, which are awful. But I'm just, I, I'm hesitant. You, you know what I'm trying to say, Jessica? Like, I, I don't, until you know the whole story, I don't want to just like lump it, you know, jump into the story mid mid sentence and say, yeah, her mother's the fucking piece of shit. Yeah, she <laughs> is. Yeah, she is. But maybe she's like that way for a reason. Yeah. You know um, what I mean? Yeah. So it was actually like my conscious decision not to put um, her backstory in there. Okay. And that's because it was Cottrell's story. So right. we only see what Cottrell sees. Like right. they haven't talked about it. They haven't. Um, they haven't discussed it. And, right. and that is also a problem in the black community. Um, we hide our trauma from, mm. from the children. We don't want them to know what happened or, um, you know, that sort of thing. So it is, it's very secretive. It, what she knows is that they've been together forever. Um, her mom has always kind of made it work, even if it sucked. Yeah. And I mean, that's it. Like, so that's that's what she that's her understanding. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it's definitely a product of like what I mean, like what is her mother supposed to do? You know, um, she is she is a piece of shit. But <laughs> yeah, but also um, she's she's made it work every other time before this. Um, and it's just this one time did not work out. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I don't, well, like I said, I don't want to excuse her actions because, you know, you, you do imply that previous boyfriends have, haven't been great either. Some have been nice, you know, but there's been previous ones who, who were treated control in a similar fashion. Uh, and again, not excusing her mother's actions, but I just, 
Cottrell has such a strong love for her mother. And, and, you know, I don't know if it's just from years of grooming or what. Right. But I, I just, I, all I'm saying is, you know, like I, I wouldn't, I, I know it's Cottrell is a frustrating character to read um, because it's, you know, there's so many times where you're just, you know, I screamed out loud and I'm just like, don't fucking give her the money. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and then the final nail in the coffin happens later in the book. Yeah. We won't talk about it, but should definitely put all any, if you had any, uh, you know, empathy towards her mother at all, it, it, I think you do a good job of sort of, you know, maybe. Yeah, show, it's, over. <laughs> yeah it's done. I'm, you're like, you know, I was on, I was with her for a bit now, not anymore, but, uh, but it's, it's just, it's just so complicated. That's all. And I want people to understand that. Right. Like, and it is very, it's complicated and there's, you know, until you know the whole story, I just, I don't like to judge anyone until I know the whole story. Um, Gerald, he can go to hell. <laughs> Gerald, can get, he can fuck off because he's awful, but he doesn't have any excuses. But uh, and he eats too much goddamn food. But um, so yeah, that's like this. This this how you start almost the whole book. You know, this carries through the whole book. Pov- this this idea of poverty and and being desperate and having and being running out of options, having zero options at all. And here's a 16 year old girl having to to do all of this financially take care of her family work part-time and then expected to go to go to school be a teenager get good grades show up on time and and start planning for her future <laughs> like, yeah, right like it's, it's too a, much it's a fucking lot of shit and it's too much for a 16 year old anybody i think and it's too bad and we have i think there's way too many teenagers put into that position and it's it really bumps me out obviously and uh, that's to me was one that was like one of the big things about this book was like, you know, I just, if I could do anything for, for Cottrell, I would just be like, uh, you don't have to do this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just be a kid for a little bit, but it's yeah. not that easy. Is it? Um, no. <laughs> and I what- mean, um, yeah, Mike, her, her guidance counselor, Mike, yeah. he is kind of in that role. Like he's trying to yep. encourage her to like, you know, like maybe, I mean, get a hobby or like, yeah. Um, so if you want to do like, yeah. Mike's her guidance counselor at school and he's, and he is the one adult in her world that isn't awful, who is sincere when he says he wants to help her and, and, and cares about her, cares about her future. And I like, he's a great, he's the person in the book that, you know, he starts out of a sort of a cliche, the cliche counselor, right? Like overbearing, <laughs> like too happy you know what I mean like type of white guy right but stuffy but uh he he wins you over too right with his persistence and his, and his actions and and he's the example of that like not all people in the system are shitty right some some are sincere mm-hmm. some are sincere and speaking of that one of the other big things in this book is you take a look at uh the foster system mm-hmm. and I thought it was a really important and uh, it's a really important sensitive subject for sure. And it also, I mean, you don't, you definitely don't, I think you show both sides of it. I think you show that in a system that's overtaxed, overburdened is going to make bad choices when it comes to where they place children. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, but once in a while, and then you also give, give us an example of where it works out. And right, so mo- a mo- success. Yeah. That's right. So this is, I will say most of it, pretty much all of it is with Will. So Cottrell's friend, only friend, best friend, only friend. Um, she, the experiences she had, and so lost her parents at a young age, lost her grandmother not long after, um, has been in the foster system ever since. And 
experienced some pretty fucking vile things in the foster system. A lot of the parents did shit that you don't even want to repeat. It's so it's it's pretty awful, and you yeah. know, and 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 you also imply it was there was worse things going on too. And so when we when we meet Will, she's a shell, right? She's she's so damaged from the years of of abuse that she's put walls up around her. She doesn't even like to mm-hmm. be touched. The thought, even the thought of somebody touching her physically, even if just like and I mean just like a handshake or a hand on the shoulder or whatever, forget a hug, even just like a, a, a an accidental rub, um, sends her into a fit of anxiety mm-hmm. and panic. And it was Cottrell. They found each other in this. Two fucked up people found each other in this fucked up world, and. And it was Cottrell, the one that gets slowly gets Will out of her shell and also helps Will understand that the parents that she's with currently are pretty good people. Very good. In fact, talk about how you wanted to approach the this, this side of the story with the foster side of it. Yeah. Um, my mom actually works in the system. So okay. it's like, so I have heard these stories um, right. over and over and they are terrible. They are really, really terrible, Mm -hmm. but they're also, I mean, there are times when people can make it out and, and that's really what I wanted to say. Like you, you can make it out Mm. and, um, things can turn around for you. And Will's adoption was actually pretty uh, rare because she was 11 when she was adopted, which is very, pretty much unheard of. If you're not adopted before age, like five or six, I mean, you're probably in there forever. Right. And um, so Will's family specifically chose her and they always put her first. And it's so difficult for her to understand that because no one has ever done that. So I just wanted to make sure that there was like, I wanted to shine a light on adoption, the good side, the bad side, and also give hope for kids who are in that situation. Like maybe, you know, Maybe you're still waiting, but there are people out there who will choose you and who will put you first. Um, it's a really great part of the story. And it, you know, if if I cried a couple times during this book, and it, w- it would have been have to do with those moments, especially with the adoptee, the adoptive parents, Will's adoptive parents, who it's just <laughs> pure light, right? Like just pure fucking goodness. And it's just like mm-hmm. that. It was just like, that was enough to like, just made my heart grow a few sizes, you know, my brittle old cynical heart <laughs> grow <laughs> a few sizes. So, I mean, it was so great. Um, and I can't remember what book this was from now. It was earlier this year, but they had a great line about, um, it was about sort of, it was, you know, kids in school, one kid in particular who just was kind of a quote unquote loser, but the line was something like, you know, the difference between having no friends and one friend is from the earth to Mars. Yeah. And the friendship, which is really at the heart of this book, isn't it? Between control mm-hmm. and will is so powerful, so strong. And I love how they're really on equal footing in a lot of ways. Like I know it seems like Cottrell, it might have the sort of the, the edge when it comes because, you know, she defends will at school and with, fucking Chelsea and (laughs) 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 and uh but Will helps her so much doesn't she in other ways smaller ways but just as important and so I love Mm -hmm. how you really have them on equal footing and how they're able to take care of each other and then of course the the thing that you pull at the end was so great um like I was a mess (laughs) at that point (laughs) it was so great so just really, really wonderful. And I can't say enough about that, how important that relationship is. And, and uh, it, it's, I mean, it saves, 
it, they save each other, don't they? Basically, I mean, yeah, right. In yeah, so many ways, much. yeah. Maybe maybe more will saving control. I think than the other way around. To be honest with you, um, but yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, right. So, but um, so important, so powerful, so strong. Just that bond of of you know, quote unquote, sisterhood and just friendship and it found family and and. I mean, that's what a foster family is. I mean, it's not found, it's manufactured, but still like it's when it's not blood, right? It's because mm-hmm. when it works out, it's so great. And that's a really a staple of YA. And that's a, that's a, that's a, a YA found family trope that we don't, you know, that's a kind of a nice backdoor way of throwing that trope in there, isn't it? Like a, in a foster situation, it's not the typical mm-hmm. way we do it. It's not like it, they're all misfits and they find each other, but it's manufactured, right? It's, it's through a state mm-hmm. program. It's not just because they found each other at Glee club or something, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it's, it's in a real interesting way. So um, just so everyone knows, like we have to say, we scratched the surface. That would be even be an overstatement. We've barely touched this thing. So we've done a very good job of being non-spoilery. Actually. I'm very proud of myself. Um, <laughs> I read though, and this was really cool. Cause it's got me excited. Cause I'm also a fan of Violet Evergarden. Um, slightly inf- a little influence came from that. So yes. you, you've answered it. I'm, I love Violet Evergarden. So ta- I'm a big anime person. So talk to me. I, I, it's staring in front of me. So I know the answer, but, you know, just for the sake of the show, explain sort of, it's not a, it's a small connection, but it's an important one. Yeah. So um, that one also made me cry a lot. Yes, <laughs> me, cried, too. me too. I cried yeah. buckets. <laughs> yeah, me too. But when I finished it, um, I just like, I was so overcome with like the value of handwritten letters, like mm-hmm. people who, I mean, people who couldn't write them and they just, or people who didn't, who weren't literate, but who needed, um, also who needed like uh, help getting the words on the page or they were too shy or nervous. And, and just the thought of just, just how much a, a handwritten letter can impact someone that really moved me. Mm. And that's where I got the idea for these, for the letters. Um, that's how she raises the dead as she writes letters to them. That's right. So very cool. Yeah. Very cool inspiration. Uh, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I'm a big anime fan. It's, it's funny, too, because I do most of my crying with anime. Like Made in Abyss. Oh, my me God. Me, too. I cried. Oh, I haven't seen that one. <laughs> oh, man. I know it's going to make me cry. I cried. And for I haven't mo- seen it yet. Months and months. And uh, <laughs> still crying. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've seen it, especially some parts, and I'm still just a mess. But uh, um, like I said, we've barely scratched the surface of this thing. So I think a good spot to get out of here is because because of your personal situation and, and like you, you fought, fought for this thing. And I, you know, your queries, you, you, I, re- I read that you've got over 60 rejections and for previous books. Right. And now that you're on the other side, you're a, you are a fucking published author of a really great book. And now you're able, you're in the position of maybe doling out a little bit of advice to people out there who were in your position, the position you were in a few years ago, like previous to pitch wars. Right. Mm-hmm. Talk to someone out there who's who's up there in rejections, who's getting up there and is starting to feel like, oh man, I don't know if this is it. This is the thing for me. Or talk to talk to that person. Maybe talk to a younger you. Right. Oh now. gosh. Younger me probably would not have listened. <laughs> 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 oh man. But um, I would just say, like, don't be afraid to pivot. So mm. a little bit about my journey was that um I wrote this zombie novel. My, it was my first book. Um, well, I know Bad Witch Burning is kind of zombies, but like they're different. But this one was more classical zombies, like, you know, I'm going to eat you, that sort of thing. Um, and I love that book. I put my heart into it, I, my soul. I edited it for probably like, 
I don't know, years. And then I queried it to overwhelming silence. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I had no clue about trends at the time. So I was at the very end of like the walking dead craze. And so everyone was tired of zombies. And so they were like, oh, you know, no thanks. Also, I didn't know how to do structure, but I didn't know that at the time. Right. Um, so it was very difficult for me to shelf that book, but I'm so glad I did because that led me to where I am now. If mm-hmm. I had kept, you know, messing around with it and tinkering with it and kept submitting it everywhere, um, I never would have moved on. And so the act of moving on and writing more things and learning more instead of hanging on to this one project I really loved, um, it, it was able to bring me to today. Mm. So if something's not working, just um, cry a little because it does hurt. <laughs> but then, <laughs> yeah, but then don't be afraid to write something new and just keep trying. Um, you, I know you, you feel very fortunate with Holly, but talk about sort of that's a big thing that's come up too for first time people is finding the right agent. And sometimes it can take a few, few whacks at it, can it? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I'm very lucky with Holly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, I still think it's some sort of magic that yeah. Holly even read my query. <laughs> Cause you know, I mean, like she's like, She's Holly Root, you know? Yeah, yeah. How? Yeah. So uh, (laughs) it was meant to be, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, sometimes I do feel that way because I queried Holly um, back when, before Pitch Wars. So I was sure I wasn't getting in. So I was just trying to get a jump on it. Mm -hmm. And um, she somehow read my query and liked it and asked for the full. And then I said, oh, I can't because I'm going to do Pitch Wars. Mm. And so... I really think Pitchworth saved my chance with her because there's no way she would have accepted it in the form that it was before mm-hmm. Pitchworth. So, um, yeah. People struggle with agents. That question comes up a lot, right? Like, you know, like gotcha. finding the right one. And I know people like some, some, I know people have been so desperate just to get an agent. They'll take anyone. And then it, and then unsurprisingly it doesn't work out. Right. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's um, finding the right person. I just, you know, it's like somebody that believes in you, not almost not even the story. Of course they have to like the story. That's great. But it's such a personal relationship between you and your agent. It's gotta be about more than just what's on the page. Right. Before this, I had like a dream agent and you're not supposed to have one, but you know, I did. <laughs> and, um, I actually, they both offered on, um, bad witch burning Mm -hmm. and i had a choice to make so it was like do i go with my dream agent or do i go with holly who we had a great phone call um she answered all of my questions um we were still talking like we almost talked for an hour and 30 minutes so um it just felt right you know and one thing she said to me was um when i shared that i had uh anxiety she was like no problem uh we will do whatever you need to do to make you comfortable yep and um that's just what I needed at the time, you know, yeah. like I just, I needed somebody in my corner who would help me, but not make me feel like crazy. I'm already crazy. I don't need anything mm. else That's on right. my plate, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And we have been very happy. Um, she's, I send her stuff at like three o'clock in the morning. She's like, oh my God, just go. Can you just calm down, please? Can you go to, <laughs> go to bed, please? Yeah. It's yeah, the, witch, it's the witching bed. hour for Christ's sakes. <laughs> And, um, she's, and I'm always like, whenever I like panic, <laughs> she, I'm always like, okay, I panic on Friday and then Sunday I send her a follow-up email. I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I just like needed a nap. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but she's very patient and she's just like the best fit for me, you know? Yep. Um, but she would not be a fit for everyone. So no, you just have not. to like, 
you have to know what you need out of the agent relationship. For yeah. me, I needed I needed stability. I needed someone who I I could trust completely. Um, I leave all of my details to Holly. So if when we were on submission, I said, "Do not contact me unless there's good news." So right, I mean, I, that's did, a- I never I never saw any of my rejections. I did not want. I just did not want to damage myself that way. And that was something that she could do for me, but I would not have put my trust in just anyone. Yeah. So. Well, that's the thing. Cause the person could be an excellent agent technically, but be a total butthead. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. like, you know, it's, that's what I mean. I like, I like the way you put it. Like find, think about what you want from an agent and then start searching for that person. Cause there's so many ways to look for agents. Right. And mm-hmm. not just referrals and everything, but there's so much information out there. So think, I think that's a good, good, good point good starting point right think about what you want from from that relationship first and then go forth um well jessica i can't thank you enough for doing this uh day after your launch too so it's i know it's a busy time i'm just staring at this cover again and beautiful black woman on it and it's that must have made you feel so great too just to see her um, in in picture form she looks great it's a wonderful cover um just what that means for representation too is obviously fantastic um I'm so happy. Congratulations once again. And uh, I just can't thank you enough. And I was already a fan, but now that we've met and talked, I'm an even bigger fan. So I can't wait uh, to get to talk to you again in the future. Oh, absolutely. There you have it. Another episode of Everything is Canon all wrapped up. Huge thanks to Jessica for taking the time to chat. I had a great time and I'm very much looking forward to her next title. The book is out now, so pick up a copy wherever books are sold and head on over to jessicalewis.com to find out more information. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen and head on over to cinelinks.com for the latest movie, TV, books, and gaming news. Please continue to be safe out there. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.